Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. Welcome back to the Unity Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy. You have been a recruiter for a long time, probably too long. I'm not going to give you the number of years on here. But one of the lightning rod topics I've always faced is job hopping. I mean, some managers just can't take it. And when I'm talking about job hopping, I'm talking about you're changing a job once every, I don't know, year and a half, two years, maybe three. And you're doing that over the course of 12 years. So you may have five jobs during that time frame. And a lot of managers in my experience have always considered that to be like, I don't want to see anybody that's been a job hopper. And I've always just been curious what everybody's opinion of job hopping is. And our guest today, she thinks maybe we should change that terminology from job hopping to stair stepping in your career. So we're going to explore that with her today, stair stepping, but first we're going to get to know her a little bit. And our guest is Linda Jackson. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So Linda is the VP of accounting at Specialty One, correct? Specialty One Partners. Specialty One Partners. Specialty One Partners. So why don't you give us kind of a quick little one, two minute video commercial of what Specialty One Partners is and does. Yeah, so we are a partnership group that services the dental surgical specialty space for helping practices to optimize their organization and provide efficient healthcare. Awesome. So so would this be like joint ventures with dental groups and so you're managing all of their business operations so they can focus on providing exactly the dental service yes we are known as a dso a dental service organization that does that yes all right very good and you and you went there fairly recently Yes, I started uh, back June of last year. Okay, so we know Linda because we actually helped Linda get one of her jobs and then they quickly snatched her, converted her from a contractor into a permanent. Mm-hmm. She worked her way up and then uh, and then had this opportunity just fall in her lap. Absolutely, it was an amazing opportunity. I couldn't pass it up. Yeah, well, that's exciting. So let's get to know your background a little bit because I always think it's, it's good to get to know kind of where you come from and yep. what your... Mm-hmm history has been and you come from a family of business owners and accountants yeah and you followed their path but you didn't think you were going to follow their path oh i had no interest in it whatsoever um so my uh grandparents actually owned a nursing home uh out in east texas where i grew up and my dad was the accounting administrator there and my mom was the payroll manager and then and you thought there's no way I ever want to do what dad's doing, right? <laughs> oh, tax season, I barely saw him. <laughs> uh, he was constantly in front of the computer, what seemed like day and night, you know, working. And I was just like, there's no fun in that. That's that's definitely not what I want to do. Exactly. And look at you now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's basically he supported a family of six. So, I mean, there's true stability in accounting. And, and I found that to be 100% true. Okay. So so let's explore that a little bit. But, but first, we have to learn, what did you want to do? You didn't want to do accounting. No. So what (laughs) did you want to do? I was interested in being a college professor in high school. (laughs) And is that dream still alive? 
I thoroughly believe that after I retire, I will still be a college professor. I'm, I'm looking into it. I think it's going to be my end of end of career goal. Are you are you a, a beach or mountain person? Beach. You're a be- so mm-hmm. you plan on being a college professor with uh, a beach house because you can do it remotely. You can do it online now. Yes, right? absolutely. That would be the dream. Is that the dream? That is. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. So he- here's the thing about your background that um, I find unique. Um, to be a VP of accounting right now, but you didn't finish your accounting degree. Correct. You you left accounting on the table and transitioned straight into an MBA. Mm-hmm. You didn't have public accounting. Nope. You have no CPA. Correct. But yet you're a <laughs> VP of accounting. Yes, that is absolutely right. So there there is there is hope, right? Oh, absolutely. For people who are like oh my gosh, life is tough. I don't know what I want to do. I don't have it mapped out in my head. My parents do, but I don't. Absolutely. And you have found your way into a role and you did follow in mom and dad's footsteps. You're just not doing it for the nursing home. Correct. I did. Um, you know, it, it really came from a time where I needed ac- actual stability. Um, I was a single mom for a while and I needed to constantly ensure that I had a stable income coming in and accounting absolutely provides that. Uh, it initially started with me just being an a, a accounts receivable coordinator for a company. I literally did hand-typed invoices on a typewriter. <laughs> 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 so taking it way back, um, and then that job after job, you know, I kind of progressed. The next thing I know, I was a bookkeeper, and the, the next thing I know, I, I you know was like, I, I think I can go further here. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished my degree in project management. Uh, that was my business degree, my bachelor's, and I looked around and nothing was in project management for what I was currently making as a bookkeeper. I was like, well, I can't go backwards. Mm-hmm. I can only go forwards. Uh, so that's really what set the stage. And I decided to work on my accounting degree at that point. Um, and then shortly after that, it took a while for, uh, cause I had just finished the bachelor's shortly after that. I was like, I can just go for an MBA and you know, we can just capitalize on this right away. Mm-hmm. So part of that stair stepping that we're going to get into later. Yeah. For those that don't know, a, a typewriter was a machine. It's not a computer. <laughs> it had this lever that you would push and it'd make these great noises and the mm-hmm. keys were like chung, chung, yep. chung. Yeah. I would make a mistake and the whole page had to go. Uh, <laughs> I got miserable. really good at typing accurately. <laughs> miserable. That's hilarious. Yeah. So you have to say those things nowadays because, you oh, know, audiences don't know what true. typewriters are, are like you know, a phone with a cord, you know, uh, that's yep. tied to something or yeah. a rotary There's dial. a reason it looks like this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So started on a typewriter. So, um, and so, so you moved to Dallas and one of the things that you and I talked about as you've advanced in your career has been really leveraging the power of relationships with recruiting firms. Absolutely. So Tell us a little bit about what that means to you and how that's helped you in your career. Yeah, so so um, I moved from Lubbock, Texas to uh, Dallas and we didn't have recruiting firms in Lubbock. I believe there was one uh, and they you know, didn't have a lot flowing through them. People really weren't trusting of needing a recruiting firm in such a small um, uh, space. So whenever I came to Dallas, uh, I realized how big this place is. This is a huge metroplex. Like literally there are jobs everywhere. Uh, and it was too difficult for me to find them all myself. So whenever I came across recruiters in the area, I was like, oh, this is going to work for me. You know, let me just find as many as I can and let them work on finding the jobs and bringing those to me as opposed to the other way around. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I found a dozen or so uh, recruiting firms and just met with them individually. They were real personable back then and they helped me find so many opportunities, understood what I was looking for or tried to, you know, as best as I could figure out what I was interested in um, as far as bookkeeping and eligible for. That was the hardest part. But yeah, that it really helped me get a, a foot in and explore opportunities better. It's interesting to hear you say marrying what you've told us so far uh, together, and and that is, um, you know, project management wasn't paying as much as accounting, Mm-mm. and you really need something that provided stability. Yes. And um, and so you found the path of accounting. You were already doing it, and yeah. you decided to go ahead and highlight that for your career. Yep. And you quickly found that looking for a job is a full-time job. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I will say one of the things that gave me the biggest leverage in getting my first accounting job was that there was a company that provided a learning system online through their career portal. Mm. And I found accounting modules in that system. And I, like I said, I had only been doing bookkeeping up to that point. And I was like, oh, accounting, if I'm going to get there, I need to check my knowledge and you know mm-hmm. see what I can learn. I went through all the accounting modules that they had in that system, tested myself, printed out those test results and submitted them with my application. Really? That is did. how I got my first staff accountant job. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, okay, so now you're starting to really nerd out on accounting. Right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's so cool. So you actually put it together with your resume, and that's what you would use if you went this back in the day when you would go meet yes, with recruiting I, and firms. Yes, and hand over your your resume. Well, this one I actually particularly gave my resume and my application with the results to the hiring manager awesome. that I emailed and she was like, yeah, come in for an interview, awesome. um, which was a very interesting interview because, you know, obviously she's trying to put two and two together, yep. like project management, but you're applying for accounting. And she literally asked me, "What? how can you use project management in accounting? And I explained to her, I was like, well, projects work on a cycle basis. So does accounting. Mm-hmm. Projects have uh, expenditures that have to be tracked. So does accounting. There are a lot of crossovers here that if you like really learn and think about it, they absolutely follow a lot of, a lot of the same processes. Is that the job you took? It was, it was offered. I did get that job. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So, so let's go to your relationship with recruiters because one of the things you told me is it can be really challenging. And this is for people who out there might be working with a recruiting mm-hmm. firm. It can be really challenging. Um, because there is a lot of bad press, let's call it, where you're not getting phone calls back, you never hear from them, you don't know if you got the job, you just, you feel like you get ghosted. And so how how do you work best with recruiters? What happened to those initial 12? Well, I would say that of those 12, it was really kind of easy to see who was, you know, really trying to help me as opposed to they had an opportunity that I would basically fit the mold potentially, Mm -hmm. you know? So those who were really invested in helping me are the ones that was really easy to cultivate a relationship. We would talk consistently. We would give updates to each other. I would tell them, they would ask me, what jobs are you interested in? Let me see if I can help you get a foothold in there. So the more communication and the more background that I gave them, the more they were willing to like, okay, extrapolate that and let's see what we can find you out there. Mm-hmm. 
So you were initiating phone calls with them and they were initiating phone calls. It wasn't a one-way yes. street. The ones that were a one-way street kind of fizzled out really quickly. Okay. All right. And those, those are the ones you don't stay in contact with anymore. It's Correct. like, okay, we're done with, that's not beneficial for me because if they're going to treat me like that, they're going to treat the client like that. They're going to yes. treat everybody else like that. Absolutely. So they're not going to be able to progress with you in your career, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. there are those one hit wonders, right? Where you end up getting a job with them or they get you a job, but then they may be on to some other career here in a couple of years. Very few of them actually helped me land one whenever they had that minimal communication. Okay. Okay. So now that communication's probably progressed from just phone conversations to how do you feel about texting? Cause I got to imagine now there's a lot of texting with recruiters. There is. That was something that um, started to be a little bit newer of a nuance to me whenever uh, I would say as recent as three, four years ago that I, I just wasn't kind of used to. And I've had people reach out to me as somebody I've never met, but they are a recruiter with a firm and they're like, hey, Linda, you know, I want to see if you're interested in this. I'm like, who is this? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know this person. I don't know how they got my phone number, but you know, that's a weird way to build a relationship. Yeah. But once it's established, oh man, I'm, a, I'm on a first name basis with any recruiter that I work yeah. with consistently. So they absolutely have my cell phone and we're, we're conversating, uh, conversating consistently. Yeah. That is a, that is weird to me too. Like the first introduction though, I'm, yeah. I'm having to get used to it a little bit because mm -hmm. we have a lot of people in our firm where they're like, Oh yeah, I just text them and they'll respond back immediately and they'll show me and I'm looking at it and I'm like, that just seems so <laughs> crazy. Cause I don't know them yet. Like I haven't yeah. gained enough access to be a texting professional associate of theirs. I, I'm kind of waiting for that. Whereas a lot of people now just initiate it. Yes. It's, it's definitely takes you a step back at first, especially cause you're like the, who's this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how did you get my information? And you can't, you can't feel their tone. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess what we're talking about here and going with recruiting is there's so much more that goes into building a relationship than just words on a iPhone or, um, or just words that are spoken, but you're really looking for their tone. You're really looking for their sincerity and desire to help you. Exactly. I would say sincerity hits the nail on the head. Okay. When someone wants to see you succeed and they are constantly, you know, digging or looking for opportunities that will help you get to where you want to be. Um, that's how I perceive like, okay, this is somebody I need to stick with. And I have. So for our audience that um, is working with recruiters, right? So they're not the recruiter, they're the person mm -hmm. that's looking for a job. What is their responsibility in the relationship? Oh, to definitely communicate when communicated to. So if, as soon as you can return a response, like I would do it as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, this whole phenomenon. Uh, I guess I shouldn't call it that ghosting. I, mean, I don't yes. know. I mean, we know it's called ghosting. I don't know if it's a phenomenon. It's probably here to stay. Like I, I really have a tough time identifying with it. Um, but, you know, recruiting firms may not hear back from clients. Mm -hmm. um, clients may not hear back from recruiting firms. The candidate may not call the recruiting firm back. The recruiting firm doesn't call the candidate. I mean, it's just, it's all the way around. It's not just any one person's responsibility, mm -hmm. right? It's happening. How, how do we prevent that? Like, is it just, you know, having a desire to help someone and, and talk? There's no trick that you would imagine? 
I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're kind of in an employee's market right now. You know, they have a lot of the pick of the litter, especially when it comes to accounting. There are no shortage of people that, you know, have many opportunities in mm -hmm. front of them at one time. You know, where us as employers, we're like scrambling to find the perfect person. Well, they have many options. So, you know, they're gonna be picky and choosy about who they, you know, spend their time communicating with. Um, and, I, and I really think it's a product of that mostly. Mm -hmm. Now also accounting firms um, or recruiting firms that are needing to fill those positions, they're having a hard time, you know, finding that talent specifically. As an employer, I can say, I, I know it's hard because we get picky at times and then we have to realize, hey, we have to, we have to let go of some, you know, sure. wish list items to, to open up the market a little bit. Yep. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the 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 candidate we can every employer can make a candidate pool very small, yes. very fast. Yes, you know mm -hmm. we've got to and and we try to work with them on opening up that candidate pool because we'll sit there listening to them thinking, I don't know that this person's out there or if they are out there, there's six of them in DFW and they're all permanently employed mm -hmm. and they all like their job. Yep. And so let's open that up. So those are really good points. Okay, so uh, so let's let's do this whole job hopper versus <laughs> stair stepping because this bleeds into it because yes. a lot of job hoppers or people who are stair stepping utilize recruiting firms mm -hmm. to help them out. This is why having a recruiting firm go to bat for you and developing a really good relationship is important because for some managers who believe that a background may be hoppy or stair-steppy, um, the recruiter can actually get in front of that hiring manager and say, hey, listen, you know, they could even play the trust me card. Mm -hmm. Trust me, you need to talk to her because she solves the problem that you have right now. Mm -hmm. So tell us kind of your overall theory on job hopping, stair-stepping, kind of help us understand it more. Absolutely. So uh, I will start with one thing. I proven performer. That's the word that whenever a recruiter tells me they have a proven performer, it means that they've utilized them several times on different assignments and that they have shown that they have what it takes to get the job done. Um, so when it comes to job hopping, I think the the stereotype is that this is a person that is not committed that they don't know what they want or they're having a hard time finding uh, you know a, a home so to say within a company um, i i don't think that this is the case i think that people can look for many opportunities for a variety of reasons and those that really helped me were because of stair stepping not necessarily about you know oh i i lost an opportunity or you know, I wasn't necessarily happy there. It has nothing to do with loyalty um, in, in terms of the longevity game either. I think when it comes to stair-stepping, it's strategic cognitive decisions that I'm going to follow a career path and I need that path to be consistently progressive. So whenever progression starts to stall or become stagnant, it's time to make another step. Mm -hmm. And that step can be in, you know, simply skills, it can be an experience, but it also can be a change in industry, exposure to different systems, all of which I have gained by working in multiple opportunities that recruiting firms provide or that I've had to find on my own accord. Mm -hmm. So all of these things cumulatively gave me the edge that I needed to go into any institution and say, hey, you know, what are you looking for? I guarantee you I either know something about it, have had some exposure to it, or have done exactly what you're doing now. Yeah, as opposed to someone 
who has stayed in two jobs mm-hmm. over the course of 15 years who their their career path could be limited yep. if they really are looking because they don't have that system and or they don't have that exposure or they don't have that industry and you on the other hand might have all of those things because you've been exposed to so many different such a variety exactly i think variety is really the the biggest piece um i think what people are looking for is usually specific we just talked about how employers want specific things they want Mm -hmm. someone who has this program or system that they are currently operating in or in this particular industry well sometimes you only have a group of people like you mentioned that have done that specific system in that specific industry but recruiting firms you know are able to help people with assignments in various i've i can't tell you how many projects i've had where a system needed to be implemented I've gained knowledge of about at least a dozen accounting systems just from that project type of assignment alone. So I'm I'm thinking about what you said earlier, and I think there's room for both, right? I think there's room to say this this resume is a job hopper. Yes. This resume is someone who is stair-stepping their career. Absolutely, yes. It's not one or the other it's both and you can find someone you know you can have a stack of well, i guess it is one or the other right yes you can find someone who is a job hopper and they are not a stair stepper because the job hopper um isn't doing it from a, you can't see a uh maybe a linear per- career progression correct um or they're not advancing their skills they're just moving for a couple of dollars more per hour yeah, income maintenance or you know maybe slightly income increasing with income mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. yeah income maintenance that's a good word that's a good term to use that so w- what else helps us be able to divide a resume to a job hopper like what are some of the keys that we're looking for to say man this person i really need to pay attention to their background because they're strategically stair-stepping their career what what is what are we looking for I can tell you whenever I'm reviewing a resume that there are some key things that I look for. Okay. And one of the key things would be, did they tailor their resume for the job description? If they took the time to research what I'm looking for, or even if they, you know, got it from a recruiter or if they just got it out on the open market, did they make an effort to point out that what I'm looking for, they have an alignment? The second thing would be the detail level. You know, mm-hmm. are they are they just going high level summary? Um, I've done accounts payable. Well, tell me what you did in accounts payable. You know, that level of detail is what I look for because mm-hmm. they're specifically trying to attract me to them. Right. Um, and then I think the third thing would absolutely be the progression. Mm-hmm. So if you can show that there is a linear progression in your resume, even if you've held the same title, maybe at one or two places, that's fine. Um, especially depending on the length of time that you were there or even assignments um, for temp assignments mm-hmm. or for um, project work is fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't want to see is very sporadic mm-hmm. uh positions you know if you went from customer service over to retail and then you've done a bookkeeping job and then you went back to telemarketing there's no linear progression of a career in in that resume even though they may have done bookkeeping and have done a little bit of what i'm looking for there's not enough of a of a path there to say i'm their end goal yeah no i like that i think that's really good i think one of the things that you you hit on there if i were to expand that out is 
you know, we've talked about a linear progression, mm -hmm. right? Making sure that they're advancing their career and they're looking for to make a move because um, not just for money, but because it's going to give you a new skill or you're going to get access to a new industry mm -hmm. or you're going to be challenged with a different type of accounting uh, yep. project related function. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what managers are looking for. And it, it could be almost as simple as we're dividing. If they're just looking for money, they're just staying over in this category. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no, it, you know what it tells me? It tells me that recruiters need to dig into reasons for leaving or reasons for looking. We call it RFL reasons okay. for leaving reasons for looking like we need to really dig in because if it's just oh, I'm just looking for another opportunity or I changed that job because I was looking for new money or more money or uh, some some generic term that's when we really need to dig in because it's incumbent upon us too to help separate them into a stair stepping candidate yes. or job hopping candidate to make it easier on our client mm -hmm. now you did mention um, you worked contract jobs. Mm -hmm. You worked temp jobs. Absolutely. And so you're not afraid of that. As a hiring manager, you're not afraid of that. Many hiring managers are afraid of that. Okay. Why are hiring managers, in your opinion, maybe afraid of finding a, a contractor or hiring a temp? I think it goes back to the, to the, you know, potentially negative connotation. This person doesn't know what they want or they weren't able to keep a position or, you know, they, you know, aren't sure what they exactly want to do, or maybe they weren't good at what they want to mm -hmm. do, you know, but I think if you back that up, a reference will really easily clear mm -hmm. that up. You know, you, I, I can't tell you how many agencies I've reached out to where someone has told me, oh, I worked for a temp agency. Okay. Well, that's an easy reference to, to check. Yeah. Yeah. Why, um, why would you look at someone who was a temp for a job? You have a perm person mm -hmm. and you have a temp resume in front of you. Why are you going to look at that temp? Oh man, I get both now and I look at both with the same critical eye, to be honest with you. The reason I would look at a temp is number one, the benefits as an employer that I get. I get to try this person out for a mm -hmm. fit before I go full investment. Mm -hmm. So if anything, it provides me with the greatest leverage on making sure that that their skills and experience do check out. I get to see that in action and determine if the resume actually did equal what was provided to me, you know, mm -hmm. what was told to me in the interview. Mm -hmm. How um, how do people end up as contractors? Like, what are all the reasons that people end up as contractors? How did you end up in, in contract? Yeah, so whenever I moved from Lubbock, Texas to Dallas, um, I needed a job instantly. Yeah. You know, you, you don't come here and, and, you know, expect to just land something instantly. Um, but I actually did. I got one in, in probably less than two weeks of coming here. Wow. Uh, so the reason I think is because you're not always prepared for things like that, like a move to a new city. And, you know, I didn't have the, the ability to, you know, land a job before moving. I, I wasn't really commuting or anything like that. We just made, made the decision to move. So it just came into such a benefit that initial period and i will i've never been without a job for more than two weeks yeah yeah so um so people do it because they need it life mm -hmm. circumstances deem this is how i'm going to provide food on my table yep earlier you said um 
I think they like to get different systems. Mm -hmm. They like to get exposure to different industries and systems. So I guess that could be two and three. Another one is they just want that life flexibility. It's almost as if they're a gig worker is what we call them now. Like someone driving for Uber, it's like, hey, I make my own hours. Contract temps don't necessarily make their own hours. I guess some do. They could be in a situation. I have, I've I've held two uh, positions at, at once before, sometimes even more than that. So really, it just depends on, you know, what you're looking for. Do you do you need the extra income to mm-hmm. be, you know, eight to five? Do you need it seven to nine? You know, usually there's a lot of uh, flexibility whenever you're working with an agency because they have, you know, clients of all of yeah. all kinds that have different needs. And so and so when you work two jobs at one time, the client knew, yes, mm-hmm. these are my hours for this one. These are my hours Absolutely. for this one. And, and when I say what we most commonly see is clients who are like our, our contractors who are like, I'm going to work a couple of months and then I'm going to take a few months off and I'm going to travel and then I'm going to work a few more and then I'm going to take some. So it, and that just fits their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So these are reasons why you're forced to, right? You're forced to provide food mm-hmm. for your family, um, systems, industries, and you're just life flexibility. Absolutely. You, now you have a saying, and, and I want to get it right here. So I wrote it down because <laughs> you have this saying, so I, and I want you to explain it because this centers around this whole um, permanent employee and staying for a job for a long time or, you know, stair-stepping your career. And your, your saying was length and longevity does not equal loyalty and productivity. Correct. Tell us about that. Sure. So, and I don't want to um, over... Um, symbolize that, that it, that is not meaning that for everybody that is the case. I think there are people who longevity and, and their protect, productivity, you know, don't change. They're, they're mm-hmm. just as productive no matter how long they've been there because that's what they're dedicated to. Um, but for those people who are, you know, driven very much so drivers of their career that they want to see change consistently, um, I believe that for them, and I would consider myself one of these people, that at some point um, in my longevity with a company, if the ability to gain uh, skills and experiences starts to plateau or, or you know, even declines, like, hey, we have nothing else to offer you, then my productivity starts to decline. My attention, my desire, my drive, you know, to, to have challenge and to continually learn will, you know, not be utilized the way that I need it to be utilized to stay productive. Mm-hmm. So that's what that means to me. It's funny. I, I had a discussion with a CEO. It reminds me of a discussion I had with a CEO one time and uh, she was fantastic. And she said, um, I like controlled chaos. And when there is not controlled chaos, I'm going to create it because I need movement to drive activity among myself, my leadership team, and our people. And it was this, in, in, I asked her, I was like, is it a fear of complacency, right? Because you're coming in and in every job, you can kind of come in and do the same thing every single day, day mm-hmm. in, day out, and then you can fall into complacency. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, you know, I never thought about it that way, but I, it might be a fear of being complacent. So when things, when it's smooth waters, you know, I'm gonna throw a rock to create some ripples in those smooth waters to get movement, to get action, to try to push our company forward. Mm-hmm. And when I when I hear you say that, because you said like I am, I am a driven person. And if I'm not being challenged 
and there isn't something on the horizon and I'm just doing the same thing day in, day out, and I don't see that next career move for me internally in the organization, I need to continue to push myself Mm -hmm. and I'm going to look. Well, it doesn't always mean that you're going to look externally, but it should mean that you're looking at least internally. Mm. So there are points in time, especially during COVID, where nobody should really be job hopping if if you didn't have to, right? You know, hold on to any job that you had at that time. Um, A lot of it was, hey, I need to really start to sharpen my skills. I I need to start learning and growing for myself. So there were things that I got invested in and learning and, and getting certifications and whatnot that really took the place of that need to uh, work that through the organization. So I challenged myself internally with that. I think I think if I am, so I'm thinking about my employees um, and, and myself and what I would want. And I wanna see if this resonates with you, if you're like, yeah, that's exactly what you should do. Those are the steps. Um, if I were an employee and I got that itch, right? I need to, I need to do something and I couldn't see it. I shouldn't just go out and start looking. No. To your point, I should turn around and and get a meeting with my manager and say, hey, look, I wanna talk about something with you because we know right now that we can't, we don't want turnover, right? Some turnover is good. For the most part, we don't want a lot of turnover, right? Mm -hmm. Some turnover can be okay, but having, really strong performers on your team turning over all the time that's that's detrimental yes and we just want them to come talk to us absolutely um i have a very particular thing that i like to do and and not all uh, employers will probably agree with me but i actually tell my employees hey if you're ever feeling like you're at a dead end and this is not it for you come tell me let me help you find where you're going to be happy let me help you find if that means that hey let's sit down where are your skills where are we not filling the void what could fill that void for you even if it's externally with another company you know for good employees for great employees i will be your best advocate meaning i will i will do whatever i can to help you find that next step be it externally or internally you know even moving around departments within a company should be an option and so they may not be able to know you know what's all out there within the company to make those moves but i can help them coordinate those conversations yeah all right so i want to move to this last little bit of of this um kind of three-step topic here that we've talked about networking with recruiting Mm -hmm. firms and then stair-stepping your career and that is uh, you fully believe in having an openness and willingness to take risks. Absolutely. So, and you just got a big <laughs> smile on your face for that because we have an accountant talking about taking risks. I know. It's, Taboo. It is It is completely, um, you know, against the grain, but also, you know, exactly what, what I love doing. It's, it's easy to put labels on it, but I do enjoy the term disruptor. So when a, a company comes and says, hey, we're a disruptor in the space, like, ooh, tell me more. What does that mean for you? Um, but taking risk. So, and, and it's not something that you do without strategically being aware of what all the risks are. But I would say that for me, whenever I got to a point in my career where I could say, hey, you know, if this is um, an opportunity, these are all the risks, you know, I'm, I might be rolling the dice here. You know, what does that look like for me and, and my family and for my career progression? And I will tell you that 
whenever I have decided not to take a risk, I think it was the right move. Whenever I have decided to take a risk, I've been burned a few times, but I've learned from them and still gained the exposure. Um, but I do enjoy startups. I do enjoy the fast pace, the excitement, the, you know, starting at the ground level and helping them build something, mm. you know, and that means that you don't always have a cut and dry. This is exactly what we do and how we do it. You got to go in there and figure it out. Um, but stability with startups can be where you're rolling the dice. Yeah. Um, and that's not for everybody. Exactly. It's you not. Because <laughs> you've got people who have been at these big companies that mm -hmm. kind of rumble along and they have these SOPs and all this other stuff mm -hmm. already laid out. And, and you are super key to that company. You are a very important cog in that will, right? But you don't want to create a will. Not recreate. Yeah. I don't mind creating the wheel for this company, but I don't want to recreate the whole concept. But I think that really plays into the fact that because I've had so many assignments with so many different companies, I really go into my brain and, and the file cabinet and like, what could be applied here? What experience, what position, what company was I in where they had something similar that I can just go in and kind of grab that template and apply to where I'm at now? Mm -hmm. So, so is this is this specialty one? Is it startup ish? They are startup ish, but the growth rate that's there, uh, I mean, it it feels like they've been and that I've been there for much longer than uh, 2019 is when the company started. Oh wow! So okay. it, it is very very uh, entrepreneurial, yeah. but they are very established. So, yeah. you know, creating all these SOPs, these are already, you know, in the works and have been a little bit before I even came on board. Yeah. So because the pace is so progressively fast and, and you know, acquisitions after acquisition, you know, you kind of have to get on the boat and just go. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a hockey stick, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's just taken off and that's what gets you excited specifically. <laughs> oh, yes. So I have, I have, I guarantee you yet to get to a place where I'm not feeling challenged. I'm challenged on a regular basis, which I enjoy. So that works uh, for me. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. Linda, thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. I thought this was fantastic. And to our audience, I, I just, I really think, you know, dividing these people up into, are you a job hopper? Are you a stair-stepping your career? Stair-stepping their strategy, there's reasons, there's justifications for doing what they're doing, but you're never gonna find it until you have the conversation with them. And job hopping, you can kind of tell just by looking at the resume. And, and if you're a recruiter, that's when you dig in, even if you're a hiring manager dig into the background, dig into the reasons for leaving. And if they're not good reasons, that's the job hopper. And so thank you so much for joining us, everybody out there. And we'd love it if you would share this podcast to your friends, your coworkers, your family, anybody that you think would benefit from stories that Linda gave us today. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.